Well, I don't know about you. I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> oh, wow. It's Christmas, and I wasn't expecting that. Wow. Did it seem like this year only lasted about six or seven months? It's Christmas season all over again. Good grief. I, I've always loved this time of year, especially the songs, the songs. And I remember as a kid, I stayed confused with those songs. Old words like, deck the halls with boughs of holly. What in the world does that mean? I know one word in the holly. That's either a woman's name or it was the bush outside my window. But decking the halls. What deck? I thought well, it must be some kind of reconstruction they were doing in the house. They were putting decking in the halls. And then they had things like troll the ancient yuletide carol. Well, a troll, you know, that's a monster that guards a bridge. And I thought, Yuletide Carol, they probably reversed her name. Her name was really Carol Yuletide. And just to make it rhyme, they kind of switched the names around or something like that. Old words that don't mean the same thing anymore at all. So then I thought, well, maybe troll, maybe it's a fishing expedition, you know. And they were throwing the line in the backside of the boat. And it's the Yuletide would bring them in and the Yuletide might bring them out. And then we had that whole one with, uh, what is it, Silent Night? That's the one that has Round John Virgin in it. Yeah. <laughs> Round John Virgin, Mother and Child. They're all three in a boat, and the Yule Tide's going to take them in, and the Yule Tide's going to. Oh. And then the last one, I, and we're going to talk about that a little bit today. You know, let us adore him. Why let us? I mean, I. My grandmother talked about, you know, Santa Claus would bring fruit, but I never thought about vegetables, you know. Let us adore him. It's those old words that um, we get confused with, but this morning I'm going to read some old words, and hopefully we won't be confused. Hopefully we'll take them to heart. These old words come from the book of Luke, chapter 2. And I'm going to start reading at verse 25. In Jerusalem lived a man named Simeon, who was a good man and godly. He was waiting for a time when God would take away Israel's sorrow and the Holy Spirit was in him. Simeon had been told by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he saw the Christ promised by the Lord. The Spirit led Simeon to the temple. When Mary and Joseph brought the baby Jesus to the temple to do what the law said they must do, Simeon looked and took the baby Jesus in his arms and thanked God. Now, Lord, you can let me, your servant, die in peace as you said. With my own eyes I have seen your salvation, which you prepared before all people. It is a light for the non-Jewish people to see, and an honor for your people, the Israelites. Jesus' father and mother were amazed at what Simeon had said about him. Pray with me. Jesus' scripture tells us that, that Mary and Joseph were amazed at what Simeon said about you. Amazement, that's a great place to start. But that, may that not be the place we end this day. Shed your light in our hearts that uh, we might leave this place transformed, changed, made brand new. Thank you for these people here and your spirit moves powerfully among us. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Words do change, don't they? 
They start off as one thing, and they wind up being something else. Talked about those words from old songs. Well, this is an old song, too. This song is so old, though, it's got a Latin name. It's called the Nunc Dimittis. Yeah. You can't confuse that with anything else. You know that it's Latin. But words change, and they change their meaning. Did, did you know that it used to be only mathematicians who knew the word Google? Yeah. It's a, a Google. It used to be a noun. It's a one with a hundred zeros after it. Now Google is a verb. I Google, you Google, he, she, it Googles. You know. I was Googling recently. That what I wanted to find out is I, I wanted to find out what the greatest fears were in America. And there were several lists of them, but on a lot of the lists, the number one greatest fear, you know what it was? It was fear of public speaking. In other words, standing up here looking at you. Yeah, that, that's the thing that scares a lot of folks out of their wit. You know what the number two greatest fear is? I don't know. I just wondered if you knew. I, it, it wasn't until it got on down to about the number seventh fear that I really got interested, and it was the fear of death and dying. Well, I was trying to put all that together, you know, fear of public speaking and fear of death and dying. It means that at a funeral, the, the guy that's in the coffin is just a little more relaxed than the one who's giving the, the, the eulogy, you know? Uh-oh. <laughs> And I, I thought, well, if you've ever given a eulogy, you know what that's about. <laughs> Trying to get together the words that sum up somebody's life in a handful of words. Well, that's just plain old hard to do. And that's what Simeon's trying to do right here. He's taken old words. He's taken new words. He's taken words nobody's ever heard before. And he's trying to sum them up and, and offer them as a song. Now, it's hard enough just to offer them up, but he's offering them as a song. To sum up his life and, and what it means to him to look in the manger. To look in the face of Jesus Christ. To look in the face of Jesus Christ. And, and this is what he comes up with. And it's, it's so surprising that he sees something and Jesus' mother and father are amazed by it. That Mary and Joseph are amazed at, at, at what Simeon sees. You know, usually it's mom and dad that see things that nobody else sees. You know, they look in the face of their baby and they say, who does he look like? Who do you think he looks like? And before you can say Winston Churchill, they say, that's right, his grandmother. And you're so glad he didn't say Winston Churchill. You know, usually it's, it's mom and dad who see things nobody. But this time, it's Simeon who sees what no one else sees. So how is it? How is it that Simeon sees what nobody else can see? Well, I think that's what God's trying to tell us through this text right here, through this scripture right here. Simeon's able to see what others can't see because in verse 25 it says he was waiting. He was waiting for God. Well, we are not a culture that likes to wait. I don't know if that's brand new news for you. But just try one time sitting at a traffic light when it turns green. See how much the folks behind you like waiting. There's a whole another set of hand signals that go along with that. <laughs> People don't, in our culture don't like waiting at all. And we think waiting is the same as wasting. No, it's not. No, not by a long shot. The psalmist tells us to be still and know that I'm God. 
It's the waiting that it's a time for connection. It's the waiting that, that makes our hearts sensitive. And so it's the waiting that Simeon's doing right here. A little while back, a friend came by the church to pick me up for lunch. He had a, a new car. It was a Dodge Viper. Now, I don't know if you know much about cars, but Dodge Vipers, that's a lot of car. That's a whole lot of car. It looks more like a race car than it does like a car that belongs on the street. And just parked in the church parking lot, it looked like it was going way too fast and it was going to get a ticket. That, that's what it looked like. 450, 500 horsepower, something like that. Just incredibly fast car. If there's a cup holder in it, there shouldn't be. You need to keep both hands on the steering wheel of that car at all times. Well, I got in the car and he was driving and at 35, 40 miles an hour, we turned and we looked at each other. We made eye contact. I was asking about his daughter, about his family, about his business. We were enjoying the conversation. There was a real connection going on there. At 60 miles an hour, he kept his eyes on the road because he was driving, but he might not have thought he needed help, but I needed to help him keep eyes on the road, you know? I kept my eyes on the road. He kept it, and there was a little bit of conversation, not much. But I'll go ahead and tell you, at 110 miles an hour, all conversation stopped. <laughs> I didn't look at him. He didn't look at me. I didn't utter a word. I, I just barely breathed. The speed that we're living this life, it's killing our souls. We're skimming over this life without eye contact, without a word, sometimes to those that mean the most to us. Because our culture, we love faster, 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 more and more and more. And we scarcely make contact with the ones around us, much less Jesus. Simeon saw what others didn't see because he waited he waited for God. A time to listen. A time to make contact. But that's not all he did. It tells us in, in verse 28 that Simeon took the baby in his arms and thanked God. This is an action. It's not just he felt thankful. It's not just he had this warm place in his heart and wasn't it nice. He thanked God. It was a gratitude that's active, that's not just thanks to goodness, but a thanks to God. And, and, it's, and it's gratitude. It's the giving of thanks that's the language of the, the Christian life. It's the language that, that, that opens our eyes to see Jesus and His hand and His purpose and His plan all around us. Irma Bombeck, I used to enjoy reading her every once in a while. She wrote an article about how that she was spending so much of her life planning out the next day and being in control of tomorrow. And this is what she says. She says, living tomorrows before they get here has become a full-time job for me, and I'm not going to do it anymore. It's the kind of society I live in. We have a curious need to know what the future is going to be. Bombeck went on to describe how we exhaust ourselves worrying about the future, how we can't wait to find out what the weather's going to be tomorrow. We can't wait to find out where the sex of the baby is going to be and how we can plan out their lives and our lives and everybody else's life. And then she goes on to say, slowly within the past year, 
I found myself looking on each day as a gift. Think about it. In a life that has no guarantees, today is the only shot you have. It's yours, free, no strings attached. Yours to see, to feel, to smell, to live, to celebrate, to share, and to appreciate. It's a great gift that God has given you and me. Not just a life of living and breathing, but an abundant life, an eternal life, a life that has quality, a life that has texture and and taste and gratitude to the bone and marrow because Jesus Christ gave his life for, for you and for me. It's a life that that comes alive in the giving of gratitude in the whole of ourselves and the whole of ourselves to Him. We can't see Jesus any other way than in in giving of thanks, in practicing of thanks, than in waiting, waiting on Him. It's the way that, Jesus, that, that Simeon was able to see in, in the face of Jesus something more, something more. But it doesn't end there. Verse 30, Simeon says, with my own eyes, I have seen your salvation. That he's the one that's seen not just Jesus, but he's seen salvation in the face of Jesus. He looked on the face of a baby, and what he saw was salvation. Don Shelby tells a story about a fellow who who bought a Christmas gift for his children. It was a treehouse. came in a great big box, and when the box was delivered, there was a picture of the treehouse on the outside of it and the words that every parent dreads. You know where they are. Some assembly required. (laughs) You're right. Somebody said it with me. Yeah. Ah, some assembly required. Well, there he was. He opened the box, and he he spread out all the parts of this treehouse in his his driveway, and he began to to try and put it together to see how he could get it to match the picture, and he got so frustrated, and finally he realized he didn't have the parts to a treehouse. He had the parts to a sailboat. Oh, he was furious. So he ripped off an email to the manufacturer And almost immediately, the manufacturer wrote him back. He said, we're truly sorry for the error and inconvenience. However, it might help to consider the possibilities that somewhere there's a man out on a lake trying to sail your (laughs) treehouse. Isn't that that great? Uh, And that's the way life is sometimes, isn't it? We're trying to put together... The wrong picture with the wrong pieces. Simeon looked in the face of Jesus and he saw a Savior. But too often, folks don't see a Savior. What they see is a baby. They can be bounced on the knee and sure, we can come and adore him. But when it's time to do something else, put him aside like like a baby. We take off our lap and we go do what we want. Simeon. Looked in the face of, looked in the in the face of Jesus, and and what he saw was a savior. But too often, what we see is a Santa to give us what we want. Simeon looked in the 
in the face of Jesus, in the very face of Jesus, and what he saw was a savior. But so often it is that we see a mechanic, someone just to help our lives run a little smoother and take away the knots and dings and the noises that ought not be there. Jesus looked, Simeon looked in the face of Jesus and he saw a Savior because the greatest need you and I have is for a Savior. And his name is Jesus. He doesn't just take away the, the knocks and dings to make life a little smoother. He doesn't just come to, to give us what we want. He, comes, he came to give us exactly what we need. Our greatest need is to be free from sin. So we can put together the, the way he made us with the picture that he has for your life and mine. That we can put together his purpose with the parts of the, the lives that, that we're here to con construct and to put together certainly with his help. But sin has always gotten in that way. Because Jesus came not to just make our lives a little smoother. He came to make our lives holy. According to his purpose. According to his plan. C.S. Lewis tells a story about when he was a, a little boy that he often would have a toothache. And he knew what he needed to do for the toothache. He needed to go to his mom, and his, his mom would give him an aspirin that would help him sleep that night. Take away the pain for that night. But he also knew that that was one of the things he didn't want to do because his mother wouldn't just leave it there. She'd make sure that his teeth were made right, not just have the pain taken away. She'd take him to the dentist the next day. And once the dentist got in his mouth, the dentist didn't say, well, there, the pain's gone. What the dentist did is he made sure that all the teeth were right, even the ones that weren't hurting yet. And that's, that was more than he wanted. Jesus is easy to please, but very hard to satisfy. Because he doesn't want just a a small part to take away your pain. And, and you go ahead and you live the plans. You live the life that you've always wanted. His desire is that you live a life that's holy. According to his purpose. And his plan. That our Lord. Our Savior. Jesus. Came that. That you might take. His light. And you might take that light and you take it into your heart. That it, it sheds its light, that it, it, it does its, its miracle. Not just on what you want, but it shines. And even in those corners and those dark places that you've tried to keep hidden. That you've tried to keep secret. AA has a wonderful saying. You're as sick as your secrets. That part that you're trying to keep hidden. He wants that too. And once the light of Jesus is in, is in your heart, He doesn't leave you alone. Not today, not tomorrow, and not ever. 
You see, he died on the cross, yes, to take away your sin and mine. But that wasn't enough. He rose from the grave to give you and me power. Power over sin. Power that we might be made holy. Power that we might be made whole. Power that we might be made His. And His alone. This morning, I'd like to invite you. I'd like to invite you to the the manger that you might come and not just adore Him, but that you might come and that you might take His light, hold it close. And that this week, you might find a A time each day to stop, to wait, to listen, to connect, because he longs to speak to you. And that each day this week you might take that light into your life and you might take time to watch, to listen. And not just to be thankful, but to give thanks. Not thanks to goodness, but thanks to God. And you might practice that every day, all day. That you might spend time seeking and searching for Jesus. Not another, but Jesus. And see his salvation. I invite you. Please come.